Hello and welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast where we are all about inspiring wellness in the digital age. Let's get going. Hello and welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast. Uh, super excited for this episode today. So we at Nature Unplugged are, of course, huge proponents of farming, gardening, and knowing just how important it is to be connected to where where your food comes from and your food in general. And today we're excited to be speaking with Javier Guerrero, president and CEO of Coastal Roots Farm. Javier has been doing some wonderful work in the community for a number of years now, and we're going to dive into learn a little bit more about his background and all the awesome things going on at Coastal Roots Farm. So, Javier, welcome. Yeah. Cool, man. Let me read your, I'm going to read your bio because I think it's important context. So, Javier is the president and CEO of Coastal Roots Farm. Javier works with farm staff, board members, funders, partners, and volunteers to advance the farm's impact initiatives of regenerative agriculture, equitable access to food, and environmental education in Jewish life, welcoming all backgrounds. Uh, Javier has worked in the San Diego nonprofit sector for over 20 years and brings extensive experience in nonprofit administration, administration, organizational management, and resource development. Prior to joining Coastal Roots Farm, Javier served eight years as executive director of San Diego Children's Discovery Museum in Escondido, overseeing overseeing the museum's capital campaign, moving to a new location and expansion of exhibits and programming. Javier currently serves on the board of North County Philanthropy Council and Carlsbad Educational Foundation. Javier was the recipient recipient of the 2021 Fran Ailshire Leadership Award from CSUSM Leadership North County. And yeah, man, I know you've done a lot of wonderful work. That's a uh, a lot of stuff, but really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. Cool. Well, I wanted to start just getting to know, I read your bio, but wanted to hear a bit more about your background, you know, where you, where you grew up and uh, could you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, born in Mexico, born in Mexico City, um, came to the United States young. Um, my formative educational years were spent in Seattle, Washington where I went to a school called Orca and thus the whale. And it was, you know, this is in the 1970s, um, 1970s. And it was just very early kind of progressive education. This is before the real advent of like charter schools. um, And it was really committed to the arts and learning, and being outdoors was a huge part of that through, I would say like being outdoors and the arts. And so that's, that's really the environment that I learned in. Um, later on, I think academically in certain ways might've presented certain challenges. Right. And I had to ramp up as I transitioned to other schools and moved to other places. But I think what that instilled in me was, um, just well first of all the deep personal connections to people and how we learned how to interact with each other how we learned how to problem solve um any topic of science or learning we would go outdoors and do something 
Um, and then it was always like this arts and creative, whether it was through visual arts, music, performance. Um, and really kind of, I think in many ways, it's only when I really stopped to think about it, to be honest, that I'm like, wow, that really set a foundation for me for the rest of my life. And so, you know, getting into experiential education, which we'll talk about later on, um, you know, I think I'm a product of that. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible school. And I was going to ask, you know, uh, like if you had any particular place in nature that you really connected with, was it kind of in around the school or was there like a different place that you connected with as a kid and you know, how that impacted and inspired you? Well, you know, as being the, the, um, the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, I think my, some of the strongest memories were uh, exploring uh, the beaches, to be honest, like, you know, the huge driftwood and the rocks and just like this rawness. And I remember um, we build like these kind of sculptural playgrounds out of like fallen wood and driftwood and rocks. And it was, um, everything was just kind of really raw, very elemental, you know? And I think probably even, you probably see it, you've been to the farm, you probably even see it in some of the design and stuff that we do there at the farm, just, you know, very, very simple um, design using basic elements of wood, metal, stone, and that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. I would say definitely, and I've always had this connection to the ocean my whole life. And and I think that's also carried through as well. Um, experiencing the ocean, not just there, but like up and down the coast, around the world. And, and that's always been a deep connection. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so wild. As you say that, I'm, I've, I have a cousin who lives in Vancouver in Canada, and uh, we've done a few surf trips to Tofino and that kind of zone on Vancouver Island. And I just, it's such a, I mean, I love the ocean here. It's so amazing. And it's such a different experience up there with like, you have the driftwood is sometimes like entire trees, you know, it's just yeah, it's so crazy and the mountains and, you know, potential for orcas and wolves and bears and all this stuff. It's yeah. It's no, it's yeah. And I think, you know, and also, you know, grew up very much outdoors, very much camping, you know, backpacking from an early age, you know, I was in scouts, I'm an Eagle scout. I'm, outdoors with my friends you know we grew up young in the time of like early survival type movies and shows and yeah stuff. so we like that idea of like you know being in a middle school age and thinking and, thinking and wanting and actually going out and kind of doing semi like survival camping um when maybe some of our other friends were doing other things um it was and then you know my scout master he he um you know, he was World War II vet and, you know, he spent the extent of the war in the jungles of Burma and, um, you know, fighting alongside the local indigenous people, the Kachin. And, you know, it was like just even there, like how we learned how to camp and how we learned how to be in nature. It wasn't it wasn't like with fancy gear. Like, <laughs> you're like not going we, to the rei garage sale no you know which yeah. was really interesting because later on as i you know got older and actually you know university of san diego and familiarity with you know outdoor adventures and 
and my friends and stuff were also like we would camp on our own and we'd have more like our tech gear i would say right for, but like when we were camping with the troop it was like not it was very again elemental and you just had to know how to be with um you know an axe a knife you know we always open fire like we you know it was never we weren't using fancy camping stoves you knew you had to know how to make a fire in yeah. the rain anywhere um and just kind of be you know and i think that like mentality is carried through just how i kind of work through problems and even in my job today like you know i was always educated with you know don't bring me problems bring me solutions you know yeah. as young people he expected us to kind of figure it out that's incredible yeah sounds like i like such a wonderful blend of experiences with from your from the school to your scouts to your friends that's really cool and then so what brought you down to san diego was it going to the university of san diego or? uh well university of san diego my family here you know mm -hmm. um you know my parents separated remarried and so you know my high school years were actually in texas uh, okay yeah and uh I've, I've lived i've got roots and you know from mexico and then my mother's family on the east coast buzzards bay on the ocean where i spent my whole youthful summers on the water and in the water um a lot of sailing yeah up a lot on the ocean um yeah just kind of different places that's why later on i studied anthropology because all right <laughs> yeah like i just enjoyed traveling and peoples and places and understanding different um lived experiences uh but yeah, yeah san diego so university of san diego and then there studying anthropology okay um and you know quickly connected that found that some of my my people right <laughs> you know when you go to college you're trying to figure out like you know who who's your community who's your crew? and yeah. yeah and 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 i really i was really uh, fortunate to find you know this outdoor adventure program where it was like i came in and just immediately like valued my experience and um my background uh, but then my my job in college was also I worked at the Mission Bay Aquatic Center. Okay. So I actually taught, you know, actually my job job, paying job was like teaching sailing, sea kayaking, surfing, um, and, and then taking people like on trips and excursions and that sort of thing. So that was that was super cool. And that just became a big part of my world during, you know, during college, aside from like, you know, surf trips down to Baja and yeah. Whatever. Whatever. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I I I remember that now that we that Sonia and I worked at Outdoor Adventures and or were involved with them in in grad school. And it's I've I had forgotten that you were part of the doing that stuff in in undergrad. That's super cool. And it was it's such a I, I'm sure it's different people when we were there, but it's such a cool community and such a it's an amazing group. Yeah, yeah. No, that was in uh, I graduated '95, so it was like '91 to '95 is when yeah. I was there. Okay. Awesome. Outdoor adventures. Yeah. Terreras. Uh, okay, cool. So, so studied cultural anthropology and then how did you get into the world of, of nonprofits and, and working in that realm? Is that something you always wanted to do or was it? Um, you know, definitely interesting there. I mean, I, um, I, so when I was the other, 
I'd say big activity that I did kind of connected to school, partly not connected to school when I was a grad is, uh, you know, I, growing up and I remember even in Washington state and actually in Washington, even growing up to Vancouver as a kid, really loved like the natural history museums, yeah. anthropology museums, archaeology museums. I didn't even really know if I really understood what that was in, in its entirety, but just really fascinated also like a visual art background. So I like studied studio art. Um, I actually got accepted to RISD, Rhode Island School of Art and Design. And I originally oh, wow. was going to go and do studio art as, as college, but then I wanted to go to a four-year liberal school. And and so when I got to the University of San Diego, you know, and I already knew Balboa Park, but I was just walking around and I walked into the Museum of Man, now called the Museum of Us. Mm-hmm. And I just walked in like within the first couple of weeks of school. And I said, hey, um, is there opportunities to volunteer here? And they said, well, what's your background? And I said, oh, well, you know, I have an art background. And also I've done a lot of, you know, kind of building kind of construction stuff as well. And they're like, great well you can volunteer in our exhibits department and they said oh by the way you can get college credit for volunteering they said where do you go to school and I said oh well the University of San Diego and they're like oh we have interns you know you can get college credit for that and then I went back and I talked to my professor and uh, found out that yes in fact I could get credit and volunteer and get this experience and it was purely out of the passion and interest of it so now I'm in this anthropology museum I'm working with collections. I'm working with the people there. And now I'm like helping to like build and install these exhibits. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So actually my nonprofit experience um, really kind of started then as a freshman in high school. So I interned there off and on throughout college. And so when I was finishing my master's degree at Northern Arizona University in Applied Cultural Anthropology, I um, uh, they actually had contacted me and offered me a job. Oh, they wow. had an opening and I, and I was planning to work in international health development in Latin America, where I had traveled two years after college, kind of traveling, working, backpacking throughout Central and South Mexico, Central South America. And I thought like, I'm going to Latin America. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in Latin America. And, but they, they called me. And they said, hey, you know, we have this job. And would you be interested in being adjunct faculty at the University of San Diego? So actually, I came back to San Diego as adjunct faculty of anthropology, museum studies, and um, curator of Southwest collections, and later on curator of North American collections in the curatorial department. And then I did a business program at UCSD in business management. Um, And then at that point, my predecessor, was retiring and then stepped in as director of operations, deputy director of the museum. And then, so I just, you know, just that was over eight years of growth. And so, you know, essentially when I left there, I left kind of purely in what were essentially executive director and um, development type roles. Yeah. And that's been the career since. So it's just kind of, it was weird, you know, just kind of like launched into that. And I thought, hey, I'm going to try it out. I came to San Diego. I actually was living on a sailboat um, okay. on Harbor Island. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to work there for a couple of years, pay off the boat, take off, go sailing. Yeah. And here I am like 21 years later. <laughs> you got sucked in. Okay. That's, that's wild. It all started with the, uh, 
I love that. Just kind of strolling around Balboa Park and popping into the, the museum one day. Yeah. Look at that. Okay. Okay. So fast forward a number of years, and now you're at Coastal Roots, CEO of Coastal Roots. We've been there for, is it just over three years? Is that right? Yeah, just over three years. Okay. Can you share a little bit about Coastal Roots and, and the mission and what y'all do? Yeah. So, I mean, what's interesting for, and also connecting to my backgrounds and interests, you know, so previously, you know, Children's Discovery Museum, this indoor outdoor oh, right. space experiential education, uh, art, science, world cultures, and had the opportunity to really kind of, I think, help grow that organization and not just expand the impact, but the reach and, and, um, and the scope of what that could be and building out the space and whatnot. So with Coastal Roots Farm, I think what was pretty exciting is that here's this organization with, you know, with such a strong um, establishment, you know, focusing on regenerative agriculture, equitable access to food, um, and equitable access to environmental education, and also this element um, wrapped around of Jewish life. And that notion of Jewish life is really kind of this organization that's guided by these a Jewish lens and values. It's not a religious organization per se, but really connected to these traditions, which really is then inviting people to connect with their own traditions right. around the world about how we care for the land, how we care for people, how we care for animals, how we not waste. Um, and, you know, so as a value driven person, I would say, you know, tying all these things together uh, and that the space is effectively all outdoors. Yeah. And it's like this outdoor education program, experiential education. And then with that interest, we're also, I, had pivoted and worked for, for a while in, in health development and, and, you know, providing people with food assistance with organic fresh food grown on the farm. It was like all these things were like converging um, and this opportunity that I really could not have seen coming had I tried. I never said, you know, I aspired to work and be on a farm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was like, it's just been, it's just been a dream. You know, it's been such a great place to be um, touching the lives of so many people in so many ways. And, you know, we just, in the last year during COVID, we were fortunate enough to like, not only be open and running, but we were in the critical sector. So we were providing food uh, to those that need direct service. So, you know, we're not you know, kind of taking food from grocery stores and redistributing and that sort of thing. We're like growing the food, organic, nutrient dense and providing it directly to these pockets of underserved communities. And, you know, I, I just to see how our team rose up to that in the moment, you know, we never stopped a day. And then also from the education, you know, education standpoint, even more so during COVID, you know, you know, families, they just wanted to get outside. They wanted their kids to get outside, right? And so we uh, we pivoted. We scaled back our summer that first summer coming, mm -hmm. in, you know, in COVID. We pivoted. We had these small pods. They allowed camps to happen. So we were doing these outdoor camps and small pods. It was it was awesome. Kids were just so excited. Families were excited for the kids to get out. And then we pivoted from there um, to a new program with an after school farm camp that we ran throughout the year 
uh, which was extremely successful in terms of meeting the needs in the community. And then we had our summer camp this, you know, this past year. So even during COVID, because of our food production and bringing on our food forest, you know, we actually saw like our food production double. And I would say, uh, you know, the, the number of, of um, youth that we were able to serve in the last year also doubled wow. during, during COVID. That's, right? Yeah, that's nice. And, and so it's, you know, for us to, to, to just be positioned to do that. And we're just still a young organization. We're only in our seventh year now, but the scale of what took me eight years to do, say at the Children's Museum, you know, we effectively ramped up that in terms of our staffing size and our scope of offerings and what we're doing. We, we've done that just in a couple of years. And it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's huge. And so like, I think this is going to be another macro year for for the organization and for the community because we're really just getting ramped up we just yeah hired up three more full-time educators so we have a team of five full-time educators okay along with a number of other um part-time and on-call educators so we're like programmatically farming wise programmatically like we're ready to like push yeah it's it's amazing, and I want to add, you know, just kind of on a personal note, that Sonia and I, or Team Nature Unplugged, uh, several years ago, worked at right near the farm on the at the hive, and that's how we connected with you. And it was really amazing. We weren't super involved, but just to see the space is incredible, and I just it was awesome to see all the different things you're doing. So, you, so you you probably shared all this, but you do you're growing food, right? Growing organic food. So providing uh, food for people that that can't afford it. And then there's a huge educational component. So camps and things like that. And then you do events. Is that, does that kind of cover the different? Yeah, I would say the, the, probably in the buckets would be the school and group programs. Okay. Pre-K through 12th grade, the farm camps, both after school and seasonal. Um, and then our community programs, huge bucket, big, big agricultural festivals, events, programs throughout the year. Those are probably like the main things. And, and, but, and we have our new, uh, new addition to the program offerings, which will soft open. So take this with a big disclaimer, soft open and the end of this month is that during COVID and this is something you haven't seen because we've been in the time that you've been out. Uh, we've built out this space that's over 9,000 square feet in the extension of our education farm and garden program spaces. We've built out a new nature play outdoor space. Oh, wow. And Dang. we're planning to open that um, for a kind of daily visitor experience. Um, Currently, you know, if you're not coming to the farm stand or you're not coming to a regular existing program or, you know, we also do birthday parties and events and stuff like that, too. But a, a camp or a school group visit or something like, you know, a schedule type something or, or volunteering, because we also people can sign up and come to volunteer on the farm. So if you're not coming for something that's kind of prescribed like that, um, there isn't really like a daily kind of experience and so we're going to start with just thursdays and then kind of go from there probably thursdays and then add on sundays and then go from there but yeah this is going to be something that's 
overseen and, and um, supervised and, and programmed by our education team, but it'll be a outdoor, taking back to the beginning of our talk today, kind of outdoor yeah, in yeah. nature, um, you know, open experience, play, um, but then also facilitated kind of programs throughout the hours that were open by our educators where they'll, you know, explore the gardens and different topics, you know, they'll, you know, you know, engage with the chickens, they'll learn about different aspects of the farm and different activities, or maybe even, you know, some, um, even around, uh, you know, maybe connecting reading books, you know, reading a book, but then now we're going to go experience something together. And so that, and, you know, the space, just to paint the picture of it, it's outdoor seating, these raised planter boxes, beautiful, huge open space as you come in. We're building out a uh, teaching kitchen right there. Okay. Um, we, you go in, there's uh, these huge logs that we brought in and assembled like a big toy set, but we did it with a forklift and chainsaws. Okay. And yeah. a tree house going around the tree. We've got a real John Deere tractor that somebody donated. Um, currently building out this huge like farm stand, like play farm stand area, uh, mud kitchens and outdoor nature loom, outdoor instruments and music. Um, that tree house is actually like an environmental field station. So it's like where kids are going to be able to kind of explore and learn about all these different elements of nature. Um, there's an outdoor stage that we built um, where a lot of other activities will be happening. So, and a lot of, and a lot of the wood, the big wood on the, on the, for the fence that we built, which we planted out with passion fruit. So it's this living fence wrapped around the space. Wow. Um, it's all, and, and a lot of sitting logs and the, the climbing structure, it's all urban wood that would have otherwise gone to the landfill um, that we partnered with uh, Lumber Cycle and Tree San Diego. And, and so it's all been, all that part of it's been built out of like repurposed urban wood, as I mentioned, that would have otherwise kind of gone to the landfill or had some misuse, we'll call it. Um, yeah. Here repurpose. So again, that goes back into those values I was talking earlier about not wasting um, access with dignity in terms of, you know, being able to come to our farm stand, which by the way, I didn't mention the farm stand, you know, it's pay what you can, oh, $30. Yeah. And so also, you know, we'll make sure that with, and, and then also our school and group visits and camps are also scholarships opportunities. So making sure everybody can come. And then with the nature play area, we'll also put in, um, um, things in, in place to make sure everybody can can have access to that as well so you know again we want to offer these things but we don't we don't want to put up barriers you know nature is not something that um it's kind of like you know anybody can go well you need a board per se but you go surfing but anybody can go for a hike anybody can right. be out here you know it's it's something that um you know needs to be accessible should be accessible and then but I think what will be good about like this, this space is I think a lot of families and even children, you know, don't maybe don't know how to be comfortable in the elements. They don't know how to be comfortable outdoors. And I'm not talking about going backpacking. I'm talking about just literally, you know, being out in a, 
in a, in a more kind of raw elemental space. Yeah. I mean, there's, this is very exciting. There's, and I, there's so much alignment, right. With what we're all about and what you all are doing. And, and I, I think I'm excited. Uh, and just having been to the space prior to this, uh, what's it, it's called the, it's going to be called the, or is there a name for it? The, the day play major area. <laughs> well, you know, I always work with kind of functional titles. They're not yeah. probably the most exciting titles, but like, yeah, we're just, it's been for the longest time, it's been called nature play, which nature kind play. of, okay. it's just what we call it. Nature play, which, you know, I, sometimes I just like titles that explain exactly what it is because you're not like questioning that. So it's yeah. and, and playing in nature experience. Totally. Nature. I love it. And I, I think that you, you touched on this, that it's, it's so important too. And a lot of the folks that we see, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily about going and going completely off the grid for several days on a backpacking trip, but just getting that, that kind of daily interaction with plants and with trees and with things like that. And so providing this space in a relatively, in, a, in an urban environment for people to do that is really, really amazing. I wanted to ask, can you share a little bit about, you mentioned this, uh, I know the numbers are awesome for getting youth out to the farm during COVID, but can you just talk about like some of what you've seen from the kids that come through, whether it's the camps or some of the educational programs, uh, like how, it, how it's benefited them, how it's impacted them or, and the families? Yeah, for sure. And and we do, you know, we do surveys, we do evaluations, we kind of track that information. Um, and we definitely get really, really nice responses. Um, I think maybe just a couple things to say in terms of, um, I think we find that comments about children who maybe are a little bit more reserved, uh, a little bit more introvert, um when they come to the camps when they come to our programs they tend to be more expressive more outgoing um more engaged um i would also say that it's been really nice when we've had youth through different programs that maybe they're somewhere on the spectrum of autism or um you know learning and and having like either parents or or, or teachers say wow, you know, we've never seen so-and-so kind of open up this way and, um, and engage um, and just participate, you know, and, and, and be excited and be happy and be laughing and be outdoors. And, and, and I, think, uh, I think that's probably one of the more powerful things, you know, if you're yeah. not, it's, it's like same as an adult, if you're not open to the experience, if you're not open to learning, you know, if you haven't, if, if you're whoever, whether it's your employer or your teacher or whoever has not kind of created a space where you feel like you can do what you need to do, it's, it's really hard to learn. It's really hard to perform. And, and I think, uh, you know, being outdoors, you know, I can tell you that, you know, for every family, every child, you know, every guest that comes to visit the farm, it's, so often I hear people just say like, wow, you know, we had somebody over yesterday and they were just watching the chickens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were like, this is so relaxing. You know, <laughs> you know I'm just like, yeah, I have, I, I'm, I have not been this relaxed in a long time. And I'm just sitting here because they stopped and they were just observing and fascinated and really pulled into the moment. 
of watching these chickens and it's like you know it's like doing you know some activity or like as you know like you know you're surfing and you're focused on the wave and that's just everything else goes like this you know And, and i think that's what happens when people go into nature they just it allows them to kind of like push some of that other that noise in their mind in their life out um you know when kids are also in our programs you know there's no devices you know like we've got a we've got a little row in place where they put their backpacks yes they have their phones or whatever they're there um you know our our uh, facilitators educators have radios and phones on them they can be readily contacted and and it's just maybe that's even kind of like a like a forced you know stop for the kids right right They're, you know coming into these programs whether it's a you know camp all day camp or whatever that they're really um and i and it, to be honest as we know i think as adults we need that too yeah you know? we we need that forced stop and just to put it away you know? yeah unfortunately you know you- I'm talking oh, to you yeah. and mine's right here next to me and it's on silent yeah. you, know, you get those calls you know and it's like yeah but i just on a similar note do you I, i'm totally with you that that adults need it too it's so funny we we you know we do whether it's educational stuff or different different uh talks it's it's so often that we talk to parents and they're like well i'm I'm totally good with my device use, you know, but my kids, and then you, you know, just, and you talk to the kids and like, I don't think that's, that's not really the case. You know, do you do any, um, is there any stuff that's explicitly for adults, any programming for adults? We are going to be adding more program. I mean, obviously the volunteer opportunities right right now, I mean, you can come, you know, with your, with your kids and whatnot, but, um, but a lot of times the adults, you know, it's, it's adults participating in that kind of hands-on farming gardening volunteering experience um we are going to be actually in this year bringing in more workshops and programs that are that are scheduled um you know part of that's also been like a staffing thing in terms of like building up our team yeah now that we have a more robust team and the capacity um to offer that and then also looking how we could even you know partner with um some other like-minded uh, individuals, organizations who can come in and like the other organizations that I've worked with, you know, we kind of bring in and they can help facilitate some activity program. So it's, it's, a, it's aligned with what we offer, but maybe we're not the ones directly offering. Right. Um, but, but very much looking at our own pro- program and offering. Um, but something else I, I wanted to mention just in terms of that pause, and kind of pulling it back to this notion of like, which we haven't gotten into much of this idea of like a Jewish community farm right. again, and this idea of like, what does that mean? Um, the, in terms of agriculture, you know, a lot of those traditions and how they're connected, um, you know, in ancient times, the every seven years, it would be a Shemitah year. And so this year that we actually and the new calendar that we just entered is the Shemitah year. And the Shemitah year is, is a time when, um, you know, especially for agriculture, that you would let the land rest. And there's this idea within regenerative farming, like we do, like 
you don't want to overwork the land. Right. Just like, um, you know, in those, in those values that I mentioned, there's this notion, like, you don't want to overwork the animals. You don't want to overwork the farmer. You've, you've got to kind of keep things in balance and the Shemitah year kind of really reflects. It's like a time of rest, you know, it's a time of pause. And so, you know, some of the programmings and things that we're offering and doing, um, like lean into that, you know, it's also during Shemitah would be a time of like forgiveness of debts. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be a time of kind of returning the land and in, in, in that kind of land acknowledgement, you know, so, you know, we acknowledging, you know, where the farm sits and Encinitas traditional lands of, you know, local Kumeyaay and Luceno indigenous peoples, and, and, and just kind of how we, how we, you know, some of our food distributions are going out to support tribal elders, you know, how we're bringing school groups from indigenous tribal communities to the farm. All these connections about, and reflections are all kind of tied to these values. Right. And in this meet the year, it, it really is something to be said, I think, also for kind of the, the ethos behind nature and plug is this notion, you know, of Shemitah, which, which is, could be kind of cool and something to, to look at because the very notion is about like disconnecting and again, pulling back. And it's a time when people wouldn't plant, um, they would have their perennials and their crops that are kind of like growing throughout the year, but they wouldn't like plant new fields and plant new crops. And they would, and so they would be letting the land rest. You're still essentially you know, feeding yourself and you have to have food right but this understanding and care of the land and how in going caring for people caring for the animals and also it was a time where people could you know gather in community um and do that which maybe even in this last year of covid there was a little bit more of that right like people were kind of really reconnecting in different ways um and disconnecting in different ways yeah, that's a, that's really cool. I was not. A, I appreciate you bringing that up. Shmita, the Shmita year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really wonderful too. The just bringing in that 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 ancient wisdom to, and I'm thinking about even too. It's not necessarily related to Judaism, but you're bringing in your background in the Pacific Northwest and more of that kind of just like there's wisdom there, which is like the basics of camping. And I think. What I love about what you all are doing, and I'm learning more, is bringing a lot of that that ancient wisdom, whether it's Judaism or, you know, Javier's uh, ancient wisdom. Um, <laughs> well, it's interesting you think about the potlatches, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, and that was like, you know, the no, like nobody should have too much, right? Oh no, I don't. What, or can you say a little bit more about that? What's the? Well, just the potlatches, the 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 ceremonies, the traditions in the Pacific Northwest. Um, within, you know, the indigenous communities of that area, you know, traditionally like these gatherings, um, there would be like a a time, you know, for those that have kind of amassed, we'll call it wealth within that could be food and other goods and these things. And there would be a lot of, you know, giving and redistribution of wealth, right? And there is wealth based on whatever was valued kind of at that time, right? Yeah. Um, And, and that sense of like caring for community um, 
And I think that, I mean, again, there's, there's a lot of traditions around the world, again, in, between cultures, religion, of, you know, how you care for others. Um, and, you know, within, um, you know, with even in, within Judaism, there's a lot of ways and, and, um, and terminology for how one gives. And it's, it's, you know, it's really beautiful from like the idea of, you know, giving with the intent of receiving something, which in anthropology we talk about in terms of reciprocity, right? Yeah. But the ultimate form of giving, um, and again, you see a lot of, you know, deep philanthropy in, in, within the Jewish community, but the ultimate form of giving just in general that I think we would all agree is if you give something and expect nothing in return, but if you give something, expect nothing in return, and it's anonymous, you are like, that is like the ultimate gift, right? Um, you're not looking to be acknowledged in any way. Right. It's, really, it's completely disconnected from even who the source of the gift was versus like, you know, you give something and it's like, well, you know, I want to be recognized. Or then you, I'm giving you something and you're saying, well, now what are you going to give me? Right. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it might be informal or formal. And so I think, you know, this notion of how we care in community for each other, um, you know, and I think for the, for the people that are, you know, investing in the farm and supporting the work that we're doing is because they see also how, you know, they're investing in, in, donating and supporting and giving to us knowing that we're giving to others right it's a it's kind of yeah. like a also a channel for redistributing and supporting the work that we're doing whether it's making you know access to the food access to you know educational program opportunities um but obviously in giving we receive right yeah it's great. And I love it. I love what you all are doing. Well, Javier, I wanted to, before we wrap it up, I wanted to ask, I think there's been lots of tangible stuff so far, but we like to kind of close with some sort of a challenge to our listeners. And that can be, you know, whatever, you know, you feel uh, pulled to share, but do you have any sort of like tips or challenge? It can be about pulling back from tech or about whatever, engaging in nature, whatever you, whatever you want to share. Um. Yeah, I, I think I think maybe a challenge would, and which I think we're all challenged by this. Um, but one of the things that I guess I try to do in whatever I'm doing is just be really present in the moment, you know. And that can be much harder than it sounds. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm here talking with you, I'm here, and I'm focused on this conversation. You know, if I'm with my kids, it's with my kids. If I'm with my wife, it's like, you know, if it's with somebody on my team, I'm focused on attentive to what's going on there. If it's somebody in the community, if it's a task and, you know, it kind of goes from that like Buddhist um, kind of focus mentality of, you know, whatever you're doing, just do it well. If you're sweeping the floor, do a good job. Yeah. You know, and just be present in that task. And no task is so unworthy that it can't be done well. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. So 
Definitely. Yeah. Easier said than done, but I think it's a, it's a, it's such an important thing, especially with our devices and gadgets in this day and age that are actively trying to pull us in multiple directions. Constantly. Even yeah. with my own kids, I'll be honest, you know, it's like talking and like, Hey, you know, I mean, we're having conversations. So you really need to like put that away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah. that's hard, but like, why can't I talk to you and do this at the same time? It's like, you know <laughs> yeah well awesome man javier thank you so much for being here i wanted to can you share uh, where can people find out more information about coastal roots farm can you share the website and and any are there any events coming up that you want to share about uh yeah so coastal roots farm our website uh coastalrootsfarm.org um we have all of our information there from about the farm stand to our programs and offerings uh, and upcoming events. Um, in terms of uh, what's upcoming this fall, we do have some of those workshops and so on that I just talked about. Um, we just um, had one of our farm film and music series events last night, partnering with Olivewood Gardens and showing their Kitchenista film. We will be looking to bring more of those online um, probably after the the winter uh the next uh big event is uh tubishvat which is coming up in january and that's our you know sukkot harvest festival in september october and then tubishvat are two largest agricultural festivals of the year um and that's up near our food forest and we'll be kind of showcasing our full build out of our farm stem science lab and teaching kitchen and it's just going to be an awesome opportunity for people to come experience the farm as a, as a family. And again, well, that'll be up on the website, but it is in January. Um, and, you know, we'll also be putting out there and just to kind of give a plug, you know, this, this fall we'll be having our, our um, kind of end of year uh, appeal in terms of where people can also join in to support um, all the, all that we're doing you know, through the, both the food and the programming and that information will also be going out. But, you know, really, if people want to know what's going on, the best thing to do is website, bottom, add your name and email and you'll get regular updates of everything going on in the farm as well as, well, I mentioned it before, actually something super exciting is going to be the opening of that new nature play space. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Right? So it's not, an, it's not an event, but it's like, it's more than an event because it's something that's going to be um, open, you know, on a weekly basis at certain days, certain times, and then we'll, we'll expand based on how that goes, but we're definitely going to soft open and pilot first. Cool. Yeah. And then I will include, of course, the, uh, the website links and anything else on the, the show notes. So listeners can access it uh, at the show notes. Well, awesome, Javier. Thank you so much for your time. I know you have a lot going on. Uh, Nature Play Center is, you know, you got to get 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 that up and running. Uh, a lot of uh, and a lot of events. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. My pleasure. Thank you. And and I let me know when you want to come out. I feel like I need to give the give the um, give the two of you a, a updated uh, tour. I think you're I think you're going to be excited. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped for the I'm pumped for Nature Play and to see all the updates. So we'll definitely follow up with you on that. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning into the Nature Unplugged podcast. You can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, basically wherever you want to uh, listen to a podcast. 
Be sure and visit natureunplugged.com for more information and resources, including the show notes that I mentioned, where you can find out what, there'll be the Coastal Roots Farm website and all those links as well. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Things change like seasons out of our control. If you think you should go, I will let you go.